It takes a village to raise a child. We all know that, right? But what happens if you can't find your village? Because raising your child is really, really tough. What if you are so filled with shame and doubt and guilt and fear of judgment that you don't share your triumphs and your struggles? You don't talk about it because you don't think anyone can possibly relate. Well, I've been there and it was really hard for me to find my tribe. So I decided to make mine. I went out and found these amazing mothers who are also in the trenches, struggling to raise their kids. Together, we are a community. And in this podcast on the hard days, you'll find motivating stories from other real moms who get it. We're going to accept who we are and how we show up for our children each and every day, even on the hard days. Welcome to the podcast, Taylor Alexander. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Megan. Yeah, I'm excited. So let's let's just jump right in. Why don't you tell us about you and your family? Um, so I am married. I've been married. My husband and I have been together. I think this year we've been together for seven years. Um, we have a five-year-old son named Oliver and a daughter named Rue, who's almost two. And um, our son actually just within the last couple months officially got diagnosed with ADHD. Um, but we have kind of known for a while that we pretty much knew that was what was going on, but that's because we are a family of neurodivergent people. (laughs) His dad, um, grew up with an ADHD diagnosis and I got diagnosed with ADHD as an adult which like a lot of people, that was actually before my son got diagnosed. But once somebody was like, you ever thought that maybe your anxiety wasn't anxiety, but was actually ADHD. It just kind of like came a bunch of dominoes tipping over. And a lot of things from when I was a kid made sense. But like I keep reminding my husband for girls, that looks a lot different. Like that might not fall out until she's a lot older. Um, and so right now we're just navigating like the early stages of how to best doesn't have a lot of skills to balance ADHD neuro differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I am so interested in, in this because I, so we have an ADHD home, my husband, my sons, but I'm really wondering about my daughter and sometimes I even wonder about myself. And so just from like experience from you, like what do you see as the main difference with ADHD with girls versus boys, even within yourself? Um, did you feel like you said that your anxiety wasn't actually anxiety? So what, what was that? Can you explain that a little bit more? Um, so when I, all through high school, maybe even earlier than that, I was more of like, an anxious kid, probably not like early childhood, like elementary school, I wouldn't have described myself as as an anxious kid. Middle school onward, I definitely fell into a category of like feeling like an anxious kid. And um, it wasn't, I was a really good student. I was really good um, academically until I got to the point where I had to manage time and had to take responsibility for deadlines. And um, 
I definitely have a touch of like natural social anxiety. I'm either that or maybe that's also the ADHD because those two things are comorbid. So I'm not entirely sure where one ends and one begins because some of the the qualities of ADHD, which is kind of like the hyper-focusing. I don't know if that's me being hyper-aware of other people's like facial expressions, reading too much into stuff and my brain moving too fast, or if that's actually me just being like over-concerned with social interactions. Um, sorry, if you can hear Ponyo in the background, that's how I'm keeping my uh, almost two-year-old distracted because that's her current favorite movie. So if you hear cinematic music she's watching Tanya um, so I just kind of chalked it up to being an anxious person I went to college and got really overwhelmed at college and it wasn't until after I flamed out of college that I went and finally saw an actual psych person explained her everything was explaining like my track record at school and just generally like my feelings of being overwhelmed um, and probably the general like choppiness and jumping around of the way I was talking to her might have cued her in too because I tend to like leapfrog in topics that she was like has anybody ever even suggested to you that you're not an anxious person that you have ADHD and then she gave me that typical like checklist that you get which is like on a scale of one to ten or one to five like where do you fall in this and I was surprised because I ended up on like, I could tell looking at it, I was falling more on the ADHD side of the way that the scale went. Um, and the true test as usual is always if, when you try meds, if the meds help or don't help. And I swear it was like when, the way people describe when they're kids and they get prescribed glasses and they put glasses on and they realize that the world didn't actually look like blobs that like trees had leaves on them. Like, is this what like people, how people usually get up in the morning and like function when they're trying to do stuff. Like they get up in the morning and they're like, this is how I'm going to go about my day. And it goes in sequence because I had never experienced that. I always felt like I was just like ping ponging around when I was trying to get stuff done, um, which that seems to be similar to how my husband does it in terms of like the gender differences, but he, he has more of the hyperactive versus I just get, I get distracted or like lost in thought more often. He'll get really latched onto something and it has just kind of like more momentum to it. And one of the things I've considered a lot since we've, he and I have talked about it is how much of uh, the way that like boys and girls are raised kind of like, I don't wanna say suppresses it, but like maybe like hides it a little bit. Like girls are, well, maybe not now as much because a lot of, um, parenting is shifting towards it not being as gendered but when I was younger and probably still when you were younger a lot of it like girls were still getting more like this is how girls behave and this is how boys behave and boys were generally expected to be more rowdy and girls were you acted like a lady and this is like you 
just got different messages. And I think sometimes that that hid some of what might've been ADHD symptoms, but they've also been historically under identified because it's just now finally being realized that it's not as, that it doesn't, ADHD doesn't present the same as girls, but they don't, uh, um, hello Rue, uh, the psych, psychiatrists don't even fully understand what the full differences of how it presents differently. Do you want some, a snack? No, you just want to steal my tea. Okay. It's all good. What, what's Start it like? Rambling. No, you're not. No, you're fine. What is it like with you and your husband, like figuring yourselves out at the same time that you're figuring your kids out? It's a hot mess sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. I, I, um, I feel that. Yeah, what's it like? Us trying to get out of the house is like, feels like a hurricane sometimes. And then there's like the amount, I feel most, there's a joke about moms coming in and out of the house when everybody else is in the car. But it's a whole other thing when the kids are bouncing all over the place and then you're kind of like trying to get your husband to remember to get something and you're trying to keep track of what you're supposed to get everybody but then like you just asked your husband to get something and he forgot what you asked him to get five minutes ago so then you're like I'll just get it but you forgot what you were it's <laughs> and then that's just like going to a thing as a family then there's the whole circus that is trying to get to medical appointments and keeping everybody's meds balanced um i have get stressed sometimes because my son started medication after he got diagnosed because he was really struggling in preschool i'm gonna take a snack hold on but you're not gonna take my hot tea because you will burn yourself so take a snack and go watch final please or you can hang out this way you just can't yell at me um, and so now that he's on medication, he happens to be prescribed the same medication I'm on and they're filled by the same pharmacy. So I have this weird paranoid, like anxiety, but at some point the pharmacy is going to be like, why is your son on the same medication you are? Because there are people who are sketchy, who do things like that. And the world is a terrible place. And like, just... I don't, as it is with the med shortage, there were, he has two or three different prescriptions that are on file right now because we couldn't fill any of them because nowhere within driving distance had any of these medications. So when one of them did come in and they filled the first one and then the second one had just been sent in, the pharmacist called and said, um, your five-year-old shouldn't be on methylphenidate and focalin at the same time why are these both being sent in and I was like we just can't fill them that's just part of but like we I we're just trying to get filled when nobody has any medication that they're supposed to have and he's like oh that makes sense but it still is dicey because they're controlled substances and they're tiny people and then I'm an adult with a controlled substance medication and my husband has a controlled substance medication, which sometimes just like, I don't know, people have personal opinions about that, which aren't necessarily 
backed by science because <laughs> when I've been calling around and trying to get my son's medications filled, I've had pharmacists that have been rude to me about trying to, like, I'm looking for illicit drugs oh when God. I have a, like a, a, a prescription. I've, they're like, oh, well, we don't give out that information. I'm like, I'm, I'm looking for medical, like a, a medical medication sorry mm-hmm. no it's just been a what was I I was telling somebody the other day um there's it's hard enough when you have kids and there's no handbook and then event at first it just seems like it's hard then eventually it dawns on you that it's not just hard like this might be different and then eventually you actually you would like realize no this really is like an outlier it's this is different from the norm or like on the farther end of the spectrum but that's like the amount of extra stuff that you have to do on top of just being like a regular parent when your kid is neurodivergent adds so much more to your plate and I'm a stay-at-home mom so I have extra time to manage all of this I don't know how people do it when both parents are working I really don't know how people get their kids because since my son started just make sure everything's okay we've been trying to get him into like someone other than his primary to get better um better info our state hospital or like um we live really close to one of the best hospitals in the country boston children's hospital and they have an actual adhd program and we've been on a week finally tomorrow and um they that's like a really long time to wait for an appointment especially because most people don't seek out like a hospital developmental medicine appointment unless they are like I really need some help and um there's just not a lot of support when you don't have when you have differently wired kids Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you want more did you eat all the other ones? Can you get your bowl, please? Well, I totally get so much of what you're saying. And one of the things that I would love to know more about is that, like, the the extra load that you mentioned, like, the extra stuff. You were saying, like, every all families have a lot when they're trying to leave the house, for example. Yeah. But... In your house, there's so many extra things to think about. Mm-hmm. And I and I would love to know, like, give us an example. Like, when you're going somewhere, what are all the things that make getting out of the house? Oh, that are, like, extra? That are different? extra. Yeah. Um, so if we're planning a day that's going to include, like, a meal out, if it's at somebody else's house, we have to plan to have, um, like, a meal that Oliver will eat because he does has an extremely limited diet right now. So it has to have like safe snacks and sorry. No, it's fine. A safe meal. Um, and then uh, you can sit down here. You don't need to sit. Uh, we, if it's a car ride that's like half an hour or more, we need at least one or two activities for the car ride because otherwise it will be terrible. If we're planning on eating out while we're out, and I didn't want to, like, 
when I was first a mom, I was like, we're not going to be screen parents. We're not going to be the people who have kids that watch tablets in restaurants. There is no way that we could be adults who enjoy anything adult-like in public if we didn't allow. You can have some. You're just not going to drag it across the table and dump it everywhere for you. Um, um, if we didn't, um, if we didn't bring a tablet and headphones because it took us three or four years to realize that the reason that it was crazy was because restaurants were just really overstimulating for him. Um, they're overstimulating for most kids, but he, when he got overstimulated, it was just like completely unmanageable. It wasn't just like you could distract him or take him for a walk and he'd be fine. It was like disruptive to the point of like, we have to abort meal, leave the restaurant, can't be here anymore. Um, and when he was little, I brought like two or three changes of clothes everywhere because if we were going anywhere outside, he was probably going to get completely filthy dirty, which I'm fine with because we're like nature, like outside people. And like, I was a dirty kid, like play in the mud kind of kid, but he loves to play in water. If there is like the tiniest amount of water, he will find it and play in it and completely soak himself. Mm -hmm. Which like a lot of people, and it's not my life. So I don't, I could be assuming something that I have no idea. It seems like there are other people who can just go and not have it be like plan for the worst case scenario for every excursion. That's kind of like what I have to plan for every single time. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to do something that is outside the norm, we, my husband and I have like a game plan kind of like going in. Like if this goes sideways, what are we gonna do? Mm -hmm. Like if this isn't going well, who's grabbing who and how are like, like, if the grocery store, if we decide, which we don't even usually go to the grocery store anymore, I've decided for my own sanity, 89% of the time I take, I do pick up because yep. I can't, it's just like, I would, I would leave the grocery store with overstimulation and like ready to have an adult meltdown. If we go as a family every once in a while on the weekend, because people do that and we're crazy enough to still try. I think you're all done with the tea, ma'am. No, thank you. Go watch Ponyo. <laughs> Or not. Um, <laughs> but you're not going to play with a spoon, honey. <laughs> honey. No, you're not going to play in the tea. <laughs> you're not going to play in it. Do you want a drink? Last one, and then you're all done. Okay? All done. I'm going to go put it on the counter, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much every time we go to the grocery store as a family, when we get to the checkout, one adult stays with the cart and the other adult leaves with the children because otherwise there's going to be a meltdown while the groceries are getting rung up because somebody didn't get three different candy bars because that is like the worst. That's like the tunnel of doom. Yeah. <laughs> there's like just too many things that are with arm's reach yeah. And 
all of them are incredibly tempting to someone who is incapable of saying no to sugar. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, I don't, we don't go to the grocery store either. I do pick up every time. Um, it's so, it's, it's so interesting. So it seems like that you and your husband have like a good handle on things. What only like semi recently, we finally, like I was struggling through going to the grocery store. And then there was one trip where Oliver, um, we like went by a display. He loves Kinder eggs. It had Kinder eggs on it. And he did like a drive by, like tried to snatch it and took out the entire display and I thank God caught it with mom reflexes and righted it and nothing, it didn't spill everywhere. Like in like a comedy show type ridiculous scene. But I was just like, nope, I can't do this like every two or three days anymore. Cause I would leave like so on edge that it, I would, it would take me ages to like wind down when we got home. Mm-hmm. And then I would just, it wasn't worth being grumpy at the tiny people for most of the rest of the day when that was something we have to do all the time. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. And, that, and I, there's been a couple times where since I've become a mom, I've found myself realizing like, do you this isn't the mom you want to be. So what are you going to put down so that you can be more the mom you want to be? At one point when my son was young, before my daughter was born, I was trying to do online college classes and I was overextending myself. And it was really, I was just like, not, I was too grumpy (laughs) and I was overtired and I wasn't, I was staying up till like two or three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, there's, so much life left to do this you don't need to do this right now but you won't get this back mm-hmm. so I stopped I like res- I uh what do you call it I don't it's not resigned I just stepped away from school for a while and the grocery store thing is smaller scale but the same deal like it was I was doing that when there was an easier option wasn't worth it because it made me not a mom that I want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the other like easier options that help you guys run your home as efficiently as possible? Um, me making peace with the fact that there's just, for now, there's more screen time in our house than I ever thought when I first became a mom that I wanted. But We've been trying to buy a house since 2020 when literally when lockdown started, we had started shopping for a house and um, because of everything going on with the real estate market, we haven't found what we wanted and we're not willing to compromise some of the stuff that we really want. And as a result, we're in a smaller space, which means there's room to play but that also means that if I need to be distracted to keep there I need them to be distracted so that they're not getting into stuff I can't keep them away from right now screens Mm -hmm. or if um like for nap time for Rue the only thing that really works to make sure that Oliver isn't 
climbing into the cabinets and finding marshmallows that are six months old, um, he gets tablet time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the afternoon. And I never wanted to be someone who let their kids have tablets every day. But the alternative is like kind of like worrying if he's safe or not when I have to lay down with his sister mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. at least a half an hour once a day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's not like the end of the world. No, no, it's not. So are you, how old is your son again? He's five. He'll be five and a half in June. Is he in regular school? He started. He's in preschool. preschool, He's in like a small private preschool who is actually, they have been phenomenal with him. Um, He's like really had a hard year. The beginning of the year started great. The middle of the year was really rough for him. Um, we actually just had a parent-teacher conference Tuesday to go over like where he's, what is going on since the last time we met where there was like a lot of concerns because he wasn't showing a lot of nice behaviors at school. Mm-hmm. And they had like really only positive things to say. And it was just so nice to hear for him because he was like not wanting to go to school Mm -hmm. because he knew that he was not getting good feedback when Mm -hmm. he was there and it broke my heart because I don't care so much about like academic achievement and grades but I do want my kids to retain like a love of learning because Mm -hmm. I love like learning new things and I, if I have one goal for him in school, it's to not leave education feeling like he is either a bad kid or that he, like there's something wrong with him because he isn't neurotypical. Mm -hmm. And they have really worked to like, they feel the same way. They really didn't want him to feel that way, even when he was struggling that it wasn't punitive because he was having a hard time. They always believed he was a good kid having a hard time, not that he was a bad kid, even when a lot of his behaviors were challenging. And even teachers that had been teaching for a really long time were like, we got to get creative with how we're going to do this because he is a, like, button pusher slash line crosser habitually mm-hmm. what did There's they a button and you, he's they don't push it he'll push it what did they do was there any sort of plan in place or like how are they handling those behaviors there was a period of time where if he became unsafe like he had to leave early like i was picking him up early from school at least once a week for a good two or three months, um, which was hard for him. And I ended up, I know he's only five, but I ended up just being honest with him because a lot of the other more, what would be considered like age appropriate language didn't seem to be working for him. So I was just like, listen, if I know you don't like being told what to do. You don't want to do what, you don't want to clean up. You don't want to share whatever it is, 
like being in a classroom, being in a family, it's teamwork. And sometimes that means you don't have to do what you want to do in order to work together. And if you don't do what other people are asking you to do at school, then you can't be there. And if you're not being safe and nice to other kids, you can't be there. You're going to have to leave. So if you want to be there, that means you have to listen to your teachers. And there were a couple really like rough days where he left and he was really upset that he had to leave after he had done stuff like throw really heavy wooden blocks across the room. Mm -hmm. And um, I think eventually that like talking about it, plus once the medication, he started medication and he had, it gave him more room to like regulate himself, he got a lot better at, um, he, it gave him more room to like work with his teachers instead of just um, getting super overwhelmed and not being able to come back when it got to be too much. Cause I think that was a lot of what it was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, my son is similar with what looks like defiance and disrespect is actually overwhelm and anxiety and it's hard sometimes mm -hmm. to see where that is and it's also mm -hmm. hard to keep your calm when the behaviors that you're getting are so rough especially if they like uh, like my son when he was really young used to go after his twin sister and so mm -hmm. that was like such a button pusher for me but then knowing that there's all this overwhelm underneath it it's exhausting to try to to constantly figure out what is the root cause of this and this and this and where does this stem from and do you feel like is that an exhausting thing for you oh it's easily the hardest thing that i have to do on a regular basis that and he because he struggles with appetite so much like on a day-to-day -day basis the hardest thing is either getting him to eat without making it a battle and keeping myself regulated when he's having a hard moment, especially because sometimes he does like is violent. So he'll like hit us or throw things. And there's been a few times that he's like clocked me either with an item or like just done something that like actually hurt or caught me really off guard. And there have definitely been times where like I, was not proud of my reaction and then there's other times like I finally figured out you like the pause like you just have to just not you don't respond don't don't move until you know that you can use a normal tone of voice because if I can hold still long enough to know that the voice that's going to come out is not going to be like yelling then we at least have a chance of it being closer to the parenting that I aim for instead of like the knee jerk parenting that like everybody's brain goes to, because it's, that's like, that's like base brain reaction when you're hurt. That's not, that was something, who was it? It might've been, do you know who Dr. Becky is? Like the parenting? Yeah. Oh, she, yeah. It might've been one of her videos on Instagram, somebody about like, it's not, it made me feel a lot better that like, it just reminded me that if you, when your kid hurts you and you have like a, a, like a really strong reaction, or even if your kid hurts one of your other kids, there's like an automatic deep psychological response. And it's not, 
it's really hard to overcome that in a moment, like in a second, you have to really practice and be mindful of how you want to respond in those moments because your like base psychology is to have a strong reaction of protectiveness to yourself and your kids. It doesn't matter if your kid is the one who hurt your own kid. You're designed to protect yourself and your own kid. And um, like that's the, probably the second hardest is being nice to yourself when you haven't reacted well, when your kid had a hard moment and you're like, I didn't get that right. I really wish I had gotten that better. And the one thing I think that we do pretty well here is I'm really good at apologizing when I don't get it right, because my son is actually pretty good at apologizing now when he doesn't get it right, which tells those are always the moments when you know that you're not doing so bad if your kid is doing something that you're doing, because that means that you're modeling it well. Good for you. I feel like you are really good at reflecting back on all of it, on how to make your family and your home runs as smooth as possible. Um, you know, looking back at parenting moments, like you, you are really on the ball with doing the best you can for your family. And it's like very apparent in talking to you that, um, that is the mission that you're on. It's like, okay, it's another day. Let's do this. Um, how can I meet the needs of my kids? And I think that's the inspiring thing here. I guess I would say for moms who are listening, who can relate to a lot of what you're talking about, maybe their families look similarly, a lot of ADHD in, in a lot of listeners, what would be like your one piece of advice for moms who are struggling right now? Um. First, because I recommend it to absolutely everybody, and I don't know if anybody's ever talked about it on your show before. Um, I really highly recommend Differently Wired by Deborah Reber, because that is her. like the most helpful book I ever read. Like I looked, I, I'm a reader and a researcher, and I looked everywhere to find answers, and I felt like nothing fit. And then I started reading her book, and it was like, this is the kind of like the guidebook slash the validation I had been looking for one that everything is actually as hard as you think it is and two that it is not always going to be that hard and kind of like it's both like validating and hopeful all at the same time and it gives you tips that are actually practical that will fit slash be applicable to your family mm -hmm. it's not going to be another one of those parenting books that really is more suited to neurotypical kids because there's so many of those that get recommended and then you're like this doesn't work at all and then the second one is um if you're really struggling do not be ashamed of going to your own doctor and saying i need medication <laughs> because i have done that like i had postpartum depression with my daughter and postpartum anxiety really bad. And then on top of that, when my son was going through a rough patch, I was having really bad anxiety that was impacting my ability to parent. And so I went back to my primary and I said, I am so anxious that I can't function. What can we do? And she said, we're going to try this. And it really made a huge difference in my ability to be present with him when he was having a hard time. And I think that there 
you don't, there's so many tools to help and it doesn't have to be that if you're not comfortable with that, but it is something that's available if you, even if it's a short-term thing, while you get a handle on going to therapy or finding a therapist, because they're a therapist with really long waiting lists, like that's not an easily available option. And um, it also takes time for therapy to be effective. And I just think that people should be, that should be something that gets uh, normalized, that that can be really helpful when stuff is really overwhelming and there isn't like a clear end in sight because with kids there isn't a clear end in sight or um like an easy recipe for when stuff is going to get simpler or less complicated while you're figuring stuff out for your kid and sometimes it is a lot simpler as an adult to go and say I need some help until my kid gets help because they're a lot less willing to like sometimes it's harder to access help for kids when they're absolutely Yeah. I love both of those things. Um, everything that you mentioned, really good advice and about seeking help for yourself as well. Um, I love it. Taylor, this has been awesome. I really have enjoyed this so much. You, you, you're inspiring in a way that you probably don't realize just in this matter of fact way that you take care of your family and yourself. And I love it. It's awesome. Thanks. really nice because that's not normally how I would think about myself I mean I joke with my husband all the time that like when you're home alone with tiny people all the time a lot of times you're just getting yelled at so yep yep it doesn't really feel like no you don't really get an accurate representation of what things are like correct I I've been there um but no I, I think I think that you are doing an amazing job, but just the way that you are constantly just like, all right, this is how we're going to tackle this. Let's help this situation out. Um, really cool. So Taylor, thank you so much. This has been really, really fun. Thank you. And I love that you have created this because it gives people a voice and a, like a window into how much other people are struggling in the way that they're finding a way through like it's like a light oh thank you so much that's really kind I appreciate it well I will be in touch um and I'm looking forward to the listeners being able to hear this awesome conversation thanks all right take care you too bye thanks for listening today If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website, ontheharddays.com, and click on Schedule a Call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at On the Hard Days with dots in between each word, or in my free Facebook community, On the Hard Days Podcast and Community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.